0: You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon Hello, (laughs) Thundercunts It is me, Mickey Dillon And welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding I am still recovering from my non-drinking hangover last night, which I guess essentially is just being tired. I went to Brooklyn to see Levin Kali, one of my favorite artists, as you know, because I fucking talk about him all the time. I went to Brooklyn by myself for a 9.30 doors, 11 o'clock headliner show. (laughs) And I had a miserable, miserable morning. So I had the previous day gone through some emails, gotten some really good stuff going. I was feeling really good, feeling really powerful. And I have this struggle, I guess it's because of like the stage of life that I'm at. And I've talked about this before where like, I'm doing so many things, but I'm still stuck at my regular fucking job that I hate trying to make everything happen, trying to make everything work. So every time I have some progress and a step forward in the right direction, I feel really great, feel really powerful. And then it's like a gamble of am I going to wake up the next day and still feel that or am I going to wake up the next day and feel like complete shit and depressed and miserable? So that's what happened. I woke up and I was just not in the mood for life. So I had a dermatologist appointment. So again, the show, the doors didn't open at the venue until 9.30 or 9 o'clock and Laven didn't go on until 11 o'clock. So I knew I didn't have to leave my house. It takes me like an hour and 10 minutes to get to the beginning of Brooklyn. So I knew I didn't have to leave my house until like 8.30, 9 o'clock. I had a 3.30 dermatologist appointment. Now I've talked to you guys about my skin struggles and my acne journey and all that shit before briefly. And I guess in depth, like there's a lot of stuff that I thought I wasn't going to share because it is my biggest insecurity and struggle with like my appearance and how I look and It's constantly something that I'm thinking about all day, every day. It's always on my mind. It's like a monster on my shoulder (laughs) that's whispering in my fucking ear. I really don't know what's wrong with my brain. There's definitely like a couple screws loose up there that need tightening. And I don't know who's controlling my simulation or if it's the universe. But whatever it is, you're not doing a very good fucking job of keeping me mentally sane. Because something's missing. Something is like, you know, a few screws need to be turned tighter up there. So if you could fix that, that would be great. My brain is like when I ordered my bed frame from Ashley Furniture online and it got here (laughs) and it was missing a post, one of like the four posts that hold up the bed frame. And I called them and was like, "Mm, you sent me my frame without a part, it's missing a part. And they were like, it's gonna take six weeks to get here. <laughs> so they shipped me this part in a box and it got here six weeks later. And by that point, the bed frame had been working fine and I was so over it and too lazy to like get under there and find a way to put that piece in without pulling the whole thing apart that it just sat in a fucking box in the closet. And then when the flood happened and my whole house was a disaster and I was moving things around, I found the box and I was like, what the fuck is in here? And I opened it and it was the post for the bed frame that's my brain, like, there's a piece that's missing that someone needs to send me, but it's gonna take six to eight weeks to get here, and I need them to fucking overnight that shit, okay? I need to get that, like, yesterday, so if you could express ship the motherfucking part that's missing from my goddamn brain so I could screw it in, that would be great. So I go to the dermatologist at three 30 and it's already giving me fucking anxiety and I'm not an anxious person. I don't suffer from chronic anxiety, but like obviously things make me anxious cause I'm a normal fucking person. And that seems to be the part where that we can't differentiate from in society today. Like, i know some people who have really serious anxiety disorders where like they really suffer from it they have panic attacks and then i know people who are like me where they have normal life anxiety because things make you anxious and i don't think we're really differentiating between the two because they are very different but that is a battle for another fucking time that i'm not interested in getting into today i've had this like eczema situation going on in my eye so like six months ago, this weird like red patch small appeared over my fucking right eyelid. And I was like, Oh, it's just dry skin, cold weather, whatever. And it was fine. And it was there, but it was fine. And I was just putting like, moisturizer on it, just fragrance free, whatever, over like the past two months it got way, way worse, and then it was starting on my other fucking eye, and now it was like under an eye, and I just look like the fucking Jack Russell dog from The Little Rascals, with the fucking brown ring around his eye, only mine's red, I look like I have a flesh-eating disease, so I went to the doctor, and he was like, seems like it's eczema, go to the dermatologist, so I've been trying to get into this fucking dermatologist for literally two weeks, it's a fucking goddamn asshole nightmare so I finally get an appointment 3.30 and I'm anxious because of the rest of my skin right so like the eczema is what it is they're gonna give me something we're gonna figure out a a long term fix I don't know why it happened all of a sudden I always get like eczema in between my fingers in the winter since I was a kid like the cold weather but this like eye shit literally six months ago popped out of nowhere never had that in my life and it's a persistent problem they gave me like steroid pills and apparently you can only take those for like five days so they start to fuck with you which is weird and scary but whatever and I took them and it cleared up and it was fine and then as those wore off and I was done with them it all came back (laughs) so I'm trying to find like a long-term solution to manage it so I know that's going to be fine but then I'm thinking to myself like I need to do something about the rest of my skin so the part that I never wanted to talk about which I don't know why I'm going to is obviously I get like breakouts on my face I'm turning 30 years old this year I've suffered with this. And I know that sounds dramatic to say, oh, I suffer with this, but like it's so mentally debilitating. You don't really understand it, I feel, unless. You deal with it because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a cosmetic thing. Don't be so shallow. There's more to you than your skin. Shut the fuck up, okay? You walk around with this Ursula the Sea Witch face, okay? I could play the fucking Little Mermaid's arch nemesis if they hadn't filmed the whole fucking movie or don't play games with me. Like, you know what this is like. So I need to like do something. I'm like, I'm too old for this. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of like thinking about it all the time. I'm tired of feeling limited because of it. Like, I'm just over it. But the part I didn't want to talk about is that I get really bad breakouts on like my shoulders, on like the back of my shoulders. This is something that like comes and goes over the past 10 years. So like sometimes in the summer when I'm out in the sun and I'm just like eating healthy and everything's going well, it'll be okay. And then other times it's fucking horrendous and it's painful and it's anxiety inducing and it just like gets in my head and it makes me depressed and whatever. And like, I love the beach. I don't go to the fucking beach because I don't want to take my shirt off because I feel embarrassed and I feel insecure and self-conscious. And again, this is like something that I never fucking talk about because I put on a shirt and I go about my day and you don't know it's there. I know it's there. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, I just let that be like my hidden secret of something that fucking eats me up inside. So whatever. I'm like, I got to address this at the dermatologist because we need to find some sort of long term solution. So I'm talking to her about my skin, whatever. We're talking about all these things we can do. She gave me like literally between my skin and the eczema issue, like my regular acne problems and my eczema issue. She gave me like fucking nine prescriptions. She gave me like creams and fucking washes and all this shit that I know is not going to work and like oral antibiotics, like pills, uh, whatever So like I've got Like doing fucking prescriptions And she's telling me All different things For each one Put this one on your eye But it's a steroid cream So you can only use it For five days Only use it once in the morning And once at night And then I'm giving you Another one So once those five days Are over Then you start using this one But you only use it At nighttime. And then you have this wash For your face and your body But just use that At this time This time and this time And then you're gonna Take this antibiotic These pills You're gonna take them Twice a day But you need to take them With food And you need to take them With like a fatty meal Maybe like a scoop Of peanut butter (laughs) i'm like bitch that's not a part of my carnivore diet that's not a part of what we're doing so fuck that she gives me all these fucking instructions that are so confusing she ends up like writing it down on a goddamn piece of paper that i took a picture of i'm like i just wanted to put this in my iphone notes but like if you insist whatever and then she asked me to take my shirt off so she can take pictures of what i'm talking about with my shoulders And when I tell you, like, everybody talks about triggers and and all this shit, right? That's my fucking trigger. I would rather literally be burned alive at the stake than take my fucking shirt off for this woman to take pictures of the most, like, vulnerable insecurity I have. Like, there's no other situation that you could put me in that would make me feel as, like, mentally shut down, Erratic and crazy as like making me take my shirt off so you can take pictures of my fucking breakouts But I have to do what I have to do So I fucking did it and I swear to god it like mentally flipped me into a new place I wanted to die the rest of the day So I just like left In such a miserable mood over something so stupid instead of thinking to myself rationally like all right we're gonna start to work towards fixing the problem. We had a conversation about like, well, if this doesn't work, maybe we should put Accutane on the table, which is something that I've always literally fucking avoided because I am confident after doing my own research, which the doctors will tell you you're crazy for doing, but I don't buy into that, that there is some sort of cause and some sort of root of the problem that needs to be fixed, whether it's a deficiency in vitamins, whether it's a overactive hormone, like there is an issue that needs to be fixed within my body like it's coming from within i don't think that this miracle drug quote unquote that you take to like clear all your fucking skin and dry your body and potentially kill your liver and all this other fucking side effects is the answer is it on the table will i do it if i have to yeah so we're talking about all that whatever so i leave and i'm just in like this bad state now like it just like set me off i don't want to talk to anybody i don't want to do anything So I had a plan to go see Laven Kali. I wanted to go because I love his music and I wanted to see the show. It was at the same venue, which is Baby's All Right in Brooklyn. Love that venue, number one. Number two, I saw him there before the world shut down in 2019, almost three years ago. And I was like, well, how fucking cool is that, that he's playing the same venue? I went to see him there. I was looking back at like pictures and videos and stuff I took. And I was like, that's so cool. It's the same venue. I have to go. But I've also been emailing his management to try to get an interview with no response back. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just show up, go to the show, do my thing, talk to some people. I know what the people on the team and the management look like. Like Maybe I'll just weasel my way in there and be like, hey, here's me. This is what I'm looking for. This is about my show, whatever. (laughs) So that was my goal. So another aspect of it is financially. Right. So I'm like, I'm already feeling bad about this whole dermatologist situation, having to take my fucking shirt off and like expose uh, all the parts of myself that I try to hide. And I'm a fat bitch on top of it right now. So anyway, I was thinking about like this whole past month at work, October has been so fucking shitty. I've like drained money that I've had saved bills, whatever, whatever. Right. So I'm like, I don't need to go out and spend money that I don't fucking have and can spend on something that's actually like more immediately important. So I was like, all right, whatever. I just won't drink. I'm not supposed to be drinking on my diet anyway, even though I fucking broken that a couple times. Whoops, whatever. Um, I just won't drink and I'll drive there and whatever, it'll be fine. So after the dermatologist, now I'm like feeling shitty, right? And I'm like, fuck this, I'm not going. I look like shit, I feel like shit. I don't have fucking money to spend. Like, I'm just gonna stay home and cry on the couch and feel sorry for myself for today, fuck this. Then I'm thinking to myself, well, you need to go. You need to go because it'll make you feel better because you love this music you love this artist and music always uplifts you as well as live shows so you need to go for that reason but you also need to go because you're trying to network and you're trying to accomplish something and if you don't go there's zero chance that you're going to get what you want which is an interview making an introduction if you do go and you fail and you don't make that introduction and you don't get any closer to getting what you're looking for well at least you tried and now you know because if you don't go you're going to sit on the couch and you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to see the videos that he posts and that other people post from the show and you're going to think to yourself okay well what if i would have went and experienced the show and had a great time but also what if i would have went and gotten a little bit of what I was looking for. So all day I'm going back and forth. I'm not going. I'm going. I'm not going. I'm going. I'm not going. I'm going. So by like six o'clock, I'm like, all right. Well, if I'm gonna go, I gotta get ready now. Like I'm like worse than a woman. It takes me fucking forever to get ready. It's because I take my time. I do my hair. I drink my coffee. I smoke a cigarette. I I shave my face. I smoke a cigarette, I put on concealer, I smoke a cigarette, I put on my outfit, you know, like too much cigarette smoking. Thank God I'm quitting after my birthday. I don't know if I've told you that, but I said I would quit at 30. So that gives me to like January 1st. so in the new year i will no longer be smoking cigarettes so yeah it's just like my process of getting ready it's time consuming and i put the music on and i like to take my time and get my stuff together and then when i'm ready to leave i'm like look at me i built myself to look better than i did and then i'm looking at my eye in the mirror and all my fucking shit and i'm like you look like shit you're not fucking going anywhere and i'm like literally yelling at myself i'm like i'm not going and then i said you know what bitch i looked in the mirror i said you know what Put on some fucking concealer, throw on a pair of sunglasses with your leather pants and look cool and look Brooklyn and cover up your stupid, ugly eye and go to the fucking show and get what you're looking for. So that's what I did. I got myself together and I got in the car. I drove out to Brooklyn. I had some really good phone conversations with some friends. And started to put myself in a better headspace, had the music on. I'm absolutely disgusted, disgusted with myself that I purchased for the first time in the history of my life. I purchased a Taylor Swift album because I love the fucking antihero song so much. And I haven't really gotten into more of the album. I listened to it once through and I was like, fuck this when it first came out. But now that I realize I love that song and I play it over and over and over because it's so fucking good, I bought the fucking physical copy of the album and I'm literally disgusted with myself because I cannot stand Taylor Swift. I fucking don't like her from afar. (laughs) I don't. I can't. I can't. I'm so mad at myself. But anyway, I was listening to that after being disgusted with myself for purchasing it. And I was just feeling so much better as I was driving to Brooklyn, right? So I go to the show. I see the show. I'm drinking like seltzers with lemon the whole time (laughs) because I'm not drinking. But when I'm not drinking, I like to fake it. A, because I like to like hold a drink and be a part of that whole thing, even if I'm not drinking. And also when you start talking to people or if you're with friends and you're choosing not to drink for whatever reason, sometimes people start to question you and they'll be like, oh, let me buy you a drink. You'd be like, oh, I'm not drinking. Oh, do you want to get a drink? Oh, I'm not drinking. And they're like, why? And I just don't care what people think by any means it's not about like feeling like i care what they think about the fact that i'm not drinking but i just don't want to have the conversation or fucking explain myself so i'll just hold the drink with the little stick in it with the lemon in it and no one even thinks to ask you because it just looks like you're drinking so whatever i had my little fake drink and i was running around the show was fucking excellent after there was like i could assume there was like two songs left i go to the merch table And I bought a shirt, and I was talking to some people there, management-wise, whatever. And then after the show, I got to talk to Leib and Khali for a few minutes, and we took some pictures, and he signed some stuff for me. And I just like made the introduction about the show, and I was like, listen, this is the podcast I do, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Totally accomplished what I was looking for. Now, will I book that interview when I send another email to the directed place this week? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But at least I know now that I'm done and I'm home and I went and I put in that effort, at least I know I did exactly what I wanted to and everything I could to try to push that situation forward and get what I was looking for. And if I do, I do. And if I don't, I don't and then I'll move on to something else. But at least I know if I would woken up today and I hadn't gone, I would have been fucking pissed at myself that I didn't suck it up and I let all of that insecurity in my own head and drama from the day and whining about the position I'm in about anything and not taking the opportunity and grabbing life by the fucking balls and just going for it because everything that I've done so far and all of the incredible things that I have coming up which stay tuned for, is because of things like this, because I put myself out there. So when I left, I put the music on and I was sober. So I was driving and I just drove around Brooklyn with my music on and I was in such a good mood. I was feeling so great. And I thought to myself, like, this is my favorite part about myself, right? Because I'm very self-aware. I'm well aware of my strengths and i'm also well aware and the first person to address my weaknesses or points that need improvement right but i was like this is the best part of who i am this is my best character trait and this is what will take me where i want to go the fact that i have the balls and the nerve enough to think that well the emails aren't working so i'm just going to get in the car and go to brooklyn and go to the show show up show my face Put myself in front of the people that I want to and get what I'm looking for to some degree. Like the fact that I have the nerve to think that that is realistic and then to go out and do it and make that my reality in front of my face is such an incredible trait. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm grateful and lucky to have it wherever it is that I picked it up because that is what will set me apart from other people who are doing the things that I'm doing to get to a certain point that quit. Because they don't have the nerve or they don't have the balls or the drive to say, well, fuck it. If I can't do it this way, I'm going to find another way. And if that makes me look crazy, going to see people and popping up in their faces and being like, hey, I emailed you and this is what I'm looking for. So be it. I'd rather be fucking crazy than not accomplish my goals because I didn't have the balls to take a different route. You know what I'm saying? So I was really happy and feeling really good coming home. And it was such a contrast from where I was mentally 12 hours before. And it just reminded me to always keep pushing through. And I hope that that resonates with some of you as well, obviously in a different way, because Most people who listen to the show are not doing the things that I'm doing, the ventures that I'm taking. But whatever it is you're doing, like when you feel doubtful and you let that self-doubt creep in and you're feeling discouraged and like you don't know if you can do the things you want to do, You got to just fucking push ahead and whatever it is that you're thinking about not doing because you might fail or because you're feeling too upset or you're not feeling in the right place, you just got to fucking do it anyway, because then sometimes when you get there and you do it and you push yourself and you leave, you're like, thank fucking God I did that. That was the best possible thing I could have done for myself to move towards where I wanted to go. And I fucking did it. Good for me that I pushed through All of that fucking doubt and all those terrible feelings i had yesterday so i hope that some of you can listen to that and take a note because it was the most incredible feeling not that i even got what i got done just that i was so against it limiting myself in my own head because of my own feelings and i fucking did it anyway i was so happy with myself and so proud of myself for having discipline And control over my mind and my emotions, not allowing at the end of the day, I had allowed my emotions to control what I was doing all day. But when it came down to doing what I needed to do, what was the most important part of that day, I took control of my emotions and I said, absolutely the fuck not. I am not going to limit myself. I'm instead going to open whatever door I need to open for myself today. And maybe that's something as simple as leaving the house when you're feeling down. Maybe that's something as simple as going to that dinner that you wanted to cancel because you weren't feeling up to it. Whatever it is, taking that risk when it comes to career, jobs, looking for your promotion a raise whatever it is taking a risk in your relationship bringing up a subject that you were feeling self-conscious about but something that you really need to talk about there's a million ways that you can interpret that but whatever it is push yourself the fuck through get the things you need to get done because I promise you on the other side of it you're going to be so proud of yourself that you didn't falter and you didn't succumb to your own doubt and your own mental manipulation to talk yourself out of the things that you need to get done And that is my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. I am signing off as Dr. Phil. (laughs) Top that, Oprah, you fucking bitch. I'm also thinking a lot about enjoying the process, right? And I've talked about this before, but I was thinking about that yesterday. Like, at some point, I have, like, such belief in myself and what I'm doing. And I'm in such an oversaturated market and industry. And I think that's why I relate to musicians and artists when I talk to them, because I'm in an industry where everyone is doing what I'm doing and everybody wants to make it. And I think that what sets me apart and what will send me in a direction that others may not reach, I guess is the right way to say it, is my drive and my motivation and my self-belief like believing in myself like I know I can do what the fuck I want to do and every time some great opportunity comes my way because I fucking chase it it reminds me of that but sometimes I get frustrated which is what I've talked about before that I can't get in contact with certain people and that I can't just have the ease of access that I would if I had a different status, or a different follower count, or a different level, or a company behind me. But the beauty of it is that I don't have those things, and I'm still doing the things that I'm doing. And the people that I've had on my show, and will continue to have, and am working on right now, are incredible. And you don't get those things just given to you, And a lot of people at the level that I'm doing things, the level that this show's at, which is the ground fucking level, don't get the things that I'm going after. So I started to get frustrated that I can't just get in contact with who I'm looking for the way others can and other people who are doing what I'm doing can. And then I thought to myself, well, I know I'm going to get where I want to be. So eventually, my show and my name, I guess, I hate to say it like that, but whatever status I can get myself to to pull things in with more ease I'll get there and it won't be such a struggle but right now the struggle and the uncertainty of reaching out to people and getting in contact with people and wondering if I'm gonna get the interview or book the artist or get in contact with their management is part of the excitement because when I do get something whether it be an interview or like a step towards an interview, it's fucking exhilarating. It's like the kind of awesome anxiousness. Am I going to get this? Is this going to happen? I want this so bad. And then when it does start to happen, it's like this body is on fire feeling of like exhilaration and excitement. And I feel proud of myself. And I feel like, oh, I can't believe this is fucking happening. This is incredible. It feels like such a win. And at some point, I'll feel like a dampened down version of that because it will be easier to attain those things. So I'm trying to remind myself as I'm in the moment, that eventually I'm gonna look back on this time and what it feels like to do the things I'm doing at the lower level. And I'm gonna think, wow, that was so fun. Oh, I wish I could go back there and feel that again for like a couple minutes, you know? Because I do that with other things, other memories, other great times that I've had, other great periods of my life. I'm like, oh, I wish I could live back. In that time for like a week or a couple days and feel that feeling again, you know, so as I'm getting older and especially with this show and everything I'm trying to accomplish, I try to remember to appreciate those things and that excitement, even though the goal is still to get to the upper level, the outcome that I want doesn't change. I don't want it any less, but just remembering to appreciate where I am when I'm there there instead of only appreciating it when it's in the hindsight, you know, when it's in the rearview mirror. So I'm trying to do that as well. Like sending these emails and being unsure and, and the ups and downs of, I don't hear back for a week, but then I'm, I'm back in the game and I, and I get a response and now we're, we're doing this and we're doing that. We're working on scheduling. Like all of that is exciting and I need to appreciate it now Instead of when I get to the point where it's not as much of a struggle and things come easier because you've attained more and then you think back and are are like, wow, I wish I could feel that exhilarating uncertainty and anxiousness that was like a, a body on fire kind of feeling, you know, so I'm trying to appreciate that now. Anyway, Laven Kali was fucking incredible. He's one of the most incredible artists that's making music right now. Nobody is doing what he's doing. It was so incredible to watch him live again. He plays all these different instruments. Like He's such a musician. He was playing the fucking keys. He was belting it out. He was playing the bass guitar. Like There's so much funk and soul and heart in the music that he makes in his live performance. And it's so much musicianship. And I feel like people don't always appreciate that anymore. I think that it's so easy to make music at any capacity. And we have a lot of these artists that are like, specifically in female rap, whatever, that'll just like have a beat from somebody and they'll talk over it and it hits TikTok. I'm specifically thinking of this Ice Spice character. I don't care, whatever, I'll say it. And it's just like, it's not talent. I'm sorry. It's not. It's it's not talent. It's catchy. Do I listen to that fucking Munch song and like bop my head to it when it's on and think it's catchy? 100%. Do I think she's a talented artist making art? No, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't care what you think of that. I don't think it's artistic. I don't think it's a talent. I think I could walk down my block of 20 homes in this neighborhood and find someone who could do the same thing. So when I find an artist like I've been following Laven Kali's career for so many years now, who is such an artist and such a musician and such a creative and so incredibly talented, it just makes me so happy and excited for the future of music because I feel like a lot of that has been lost. So it was so great to see him live again. He is always so wonderful. It's the second time I've met him and talked to him for a few minutes. He's so kind and so humble and so wonderful to everybody. And I just think he's the fucking greatest thing in the world. And I hope that 2023 brings him like a new level of success and helps him ascend to the next level because he is criminally underrated. And I hate using that word about artists. I hate when they're like, mm, they're underrated because if they're talented, they're talented. And if their art is at a certain level, it just is. And I don't think recognition from the public at a large scale defines what is good art and what is good music and what isn't. Because I think a lot of people are fucking dumb and stupid, and they just latch onto whatever's trendy. But I do recognize, from the perspective of an artist, the same way that as a creative person, I'm trying to move to the next level to bring what I'm talking about—the ease of of things—and and budgets and help in that sense. I recognize that as an artist, he's probably looking for the same thing. You know, like he's probably looking for that major label deal and more distribution and a bigger audience and bigger tours and just the ease of status. I mean, it just is what it is in the entertainment industry. The bigger your status is, the bigger your name is the easier things become for you to do as far as scheduling and touring and whatever. So I hope that that happens for him this year. He is just like unbelievably talented and such a kind person. And you can tell in the music and in his art, like his heart and soul is in it. You can just feel it. His energy when he is performing and when you interact with him is just like so kind and so pure. And you can tell he really just loves doing what he's doing. So I don't know anyone who's more deserving of incredible success and more talented to back it up. All right, let's talk about last week. So last week, I put on my leather pants actually twice in the span of a week. And when I came home last night, I realized the crotch is like ripped. So rest in peace to my leather pants, that I bought for $20 in 2016 at H&M to go to Fashion Week when I was ditched by a man who invited me and was supposed to take me the VIP route. That's a story for another time. And I had to buck up and go to Fashion Week and find my own way in. Here we are again with my perseverance. And I bought H&M leather pants and a cute jacket and a great outfit to wear all black to Fashion Week, even though Anna Wintour hates all black. And I bumped into her, like bumped into her, like walked into her and we collided. Again, a story for another time at the Marquesa show. And they've lasted me since 2016. So six years with crappy H&M pants, fake leather that I barely washed because I didn't want them to fall apart. <laughs> I washed them like every six times I wore them. So they are dead, done and over with. And there was not a, honestly, there was not a better place for them to die than the Laven Kali concert and the night I had last night. However, last week, last Thursday, they were still living their lives. I had no idea that they were terminally ill and about to pass away. It was very abrupt. It was unexpected. I'm mourning them. I may cremate them and put their ashes <laughs> in an urn in my living room because we have seen so many incredible times, people, places, and things together. It is a bond. It is a loss. Rest in peace to the leather pants. So, I wore them to the Willow concert last week. I had been so excited. I told you a million times how much I love this fucking Willow Smith album. I can't get enough. So, when I saw that she was going to come to New York and do a show at Terminal Five, another one of my favorite venues, I had to fucking go. I was there. So, I went by myself. Shocker. (laughs) And whenever I go to a show by myself, I always like make new friends. So at the Laven show, I was on a mission. I was trying to get to him. I wanted to enjoy the show and I wanted to get to him. Another note about Laven is his crowds are fucking incredible. His crowds are so invested in the music and the performance and what he's doing on stage. It's like they just know. When to feel the vibe and put their fucking phones down. We like all kind of did it at the same time. Everybody was like taking a quick little video, a couple pictures during certain moments of the show. And it was like so synchronized uns- with an uh, like unspoken. Everyone just like knew when to put their phones away and just enjoy the show. And I was looking around and I was like, this is the most phoneless crowd I've seen in years without anyone having to tell us to do so. Everybody was just invested in like the vibe and the feeling of the music. He was directing people how to dance. He had everybody in the crowd. A literal general admission crowd was moving side to side, doing a little two-step all in unison. It was fucking incredible. I love that part of his shows. So I go to the Willow concert last week whenever i'm this in the city going to a show i love to walk i don't get to walk around the city as much as i want to so i'll literally walk two miles i think it was almost two miles from penn station to a fucking venue for 47 minutes or however long it takes rather than take the subway or an uber so i always allot myself enough time to walk so that's what i did i walked from penn station to terminal 5 and i get there And it was like probably 30 minutes before the doors opened. So the line was literally wrapped around the fucking block. But I had this vision in my head because there's three levels of Terminal 5. There's the floor and then there's two like upper levels And one little side of the second level is reserved for like VIPs, which was totally empty. I should have been allowed in there. (laughs) I long for the days where I'm an invited guest to these shows and I get to stand in the little section and not have to wait around and show up 10 minutes before the artist goes on. So I had this idea in my head of the specific spot I wanted to be on the upper level. So I wasn't like pressed about being there super early. So the line moved really quick. It was awesome. The venue is amazing. I love the lighting in there. I love the setup. It's just a fucking set sexy vibe like we were talking about the sexy packaging of terminal five is incredible it's on like the outskirts of the city like there's really nothing else around it it's not like in webster hall where you know what i'm saying like it's just in this part of the city where like nothing else feels like it's happening around it it's such a great place to see a show And it's a pretty large venue as well for like smaller artists. So I'm always looking for friends when I go to a show by myself. So I tried to talk to these girls behind me online trying to get in. And it's such like a 50-50 shot. Like, are people going to be a fucking dud and they want nothing to do with you and they don't want to socialize? Or are they going to be fucking party people? So the girls behind me online were not party people. I tried to, like, interact with them. You guys know me. I'll fucking talk to a wall like I do for an hour every week on this show. And I was, like, trying to get in conversation. They were smoking weed. I was smoking my weed pen. Whatever. It wasn't working out. So I I just gave up on them, and that died. So I get in. I grab a drink. I broke my diet. I was drinking that night. I was drinking my vodka seltzers. I had like a fucking White Claw. I was ready to party. It was Willow. I was smoking my weed. I literally love this album from front to back. I listened to it nonstop from the time it came out until like, what's it been? Like five, six, seven, eight weeks since it's been out. It's literally all I've listened to. I was dead set on knowing the words so I could scream it. So I get up there. I'm like getting myself together. And like, I don't know. I'm very like emotionally attached to this album and its lyrics and its like sound and whatever. So I knew it was going to be like an experience, like a spiritual experience for me to get out some feelings and some emotions screaming along to it. So I was preparing for that with my weed and my alcohol. (laughs) So the girl standing next to me was with her best friend. It was her 27th birthday. We were having a good time. We started talking. I was like cracking some jokes and, you know, just trying to like get them to warm up to me. And we ended up having a great fucking time together. I took her over to the bar. We had shots for her birthday. (laughs) We made great friends. We were talking about life and where we live and all the shit. They were from New Jersey. We were talking about Willow and the album. They weren't really into that album. They were into the previous one. We were talking about all the stuff. Dwayne is the opening act. And he is this black rock artist. He reminds me so much of... Lenny Kravitz it's insane he is kind of like playing with the gender bending David Bowie style again Lenny Kravitz prince where I believe he's straight I I mean I don't know I'm just making an assumption which I shouldn't (laughs) I don't know but he's pretty masculine and he's wearing like women's shirts and it's like a sexy androgynous kind of look and I kept making jokes to the girl next to me that I had become friendly with and I was like I don't usually want to fuck guys in crop tops but I'll make an exception for this motherfucker because there's something about him that is sexy so I was watching him his music was great I listened to his album after and I loved it he was so fucking good and I have not seen an opening act command a crowd the way he did in so long. They didn't know any of his songs and they were so fucking invested in his performance because he was so incredible. And there's just like this thing. You can call it the X factor. You can call it the star quality, whatever it is. You're either a star or you're not. You could be the most talented vocalist trained great technique, whatever it is. You could be an excellent musician. You could play a great instrument. But there's that it factor that you either have or you don't. You're either a star with that stage presence or you're not. And he fucking had it. And I kept saying that to the girl next to me. I think she was tired of my shit. I was like, that's a fucking star if I've ever seen one. It was incredible. I loved him so much. So look up Dwayne he just had a new album out I believe it's called my favorite blue jeans or something like that really really good look him up so he comes on and then he's done and then they're resetting the stage and now I'm getting anxious I'm like oh my god here we go coping mechanism she's gonna play it live I can't fucking wait Willow comes out and I lose my fucking shit she literally played almost every song on the new album except for like two and they were the two that if i could have chosen she wouldn't have played anyway those would have been the ones where i was like if i have to drop two songs and not hear them live it's these two and those are the ones she left out she did every other song Every fucking song I prayed for, she did. She did um, Transparent Soul from her last album. She did Wait a Minute, which is a big hit for her. The recorded version is not my jam, but the way she does it live is the way I listen to it. It's so fucking incredible. She did literally everything I could have asked for, except for Whip My Hair. I'll forgive her. I do love the live rock version that she's done of that updated for 2022, but it's okay. You can't have everything you want. And I got pretty much everything I wanted. She is so incredible live. Her voice is incredible live. She's so unique and so different in her sound and her style and what she's doing. She's doing punk rock right. She's doing it the way it should be done. My only gripe, my only complaint, which is just me being picky, but I was not alone because others people that I spoke to at the show felt the same way was that she was the headliner and she only played for like about 40, 45 minutes. And when you're the headliner of a show and you sell out a place like that and people are coming to see you, if the opener is playing 35 minutes and you're only playing 10 minutes longer, mm -mm, mm -mm. and it's not like she doesn't have the material because there was a lot of songs from the previous album. I could think of like, three or four offhand that I know that she didn't do that she could have done to fill that time. She also has a lot of other music from the past that she could have thrown in a sprinkle of this and that. And I'm not mad. The show was incredible. I loved every second of it. She was incredible live, but I do feel, and so did some other people who attended the show that 40 45 minutes for a headliner is not enough like your show should be at least an hour but i don't know why that was i know that she posted on her instagram story saying that she like thought she sucked and she thought like she didn't give a good performance and i don't know why she feels that way because everyone thought she was fucking incredible So I don't know if there was like a reason that she didn't do more, but it just ended really early. I think we were like walking out of there by like 1030, 1045 and she had only played for again, 40, 45 minutes, but that's just being picky. Personally, I got everything I wanted from that show because it was all about the new album for me. And she played every song from it that I wanted to hear. I know some like, Real serious fans were looking for certain songs from the previous album and older music that they didn't get. But for me, I was fucking elated with what I got. So the show's over. I say goodbye to my new friends and I go to the bar. At this point, I'm like four or five drinks in over the course of a couple hours. So I go to the bar in the venue to grab one more drink before I leave. And I meet a group of girls, three girls who are from the city and they're partying and you can tell they're like a little crunk and drunk and they're like yeah willow love the show but they don't really like love willow or the show (laughs) they're just there for a good time which is cool love it sell out those tickets buy those tickets you need a couple spectators who don't really give a fuck about what's going on to sell out the show that's fine by me We had stood at the bar for a few minutes drinking and talking and having a good time. And they were like, you should come to a bar. And I was like, all right, fuck, sick, let's go. I didn't drive here. I took the train. Let's go to a fucking bar. It's early. It's not even 11 o'clock. They're like, we're going to a gay bar. If you know me, (laughs) you know that I can't fucking stand gay bars. And the only two times I've been to gay bars, I have had terrible experiences where people have either said Ridiculous things or have grabbed my ass. (laughs) Without speaking to me, as I previously told that story, this guy at this one place just like walked up next to me and was talking to the person on the other side of me and just slid his hand under my ass and whole handed gripped my ass without ever looking at me or talking to me. And I fucking lost it and almost fought him on the dance floor, which is the gayest shit I've ever heard, fighting on a fucking disco dance floor. And then the other time, it was just a place that we shouldn't have been in. We, I was with my ex-boyfriend and some of my friends who were girls and they had this idea that they wanted to go to a gay club and hear like good music but we went to the kind of gay bar where like they're looking to pick each other up and like sex stuff. And we didn't know that's what it was. And then we got in there and then I fucking lost my shit and I left. <laughs> I like stormed out. It caused a whole thing between me and my then boyfriend. It was a fucking disaster. So I just don't have positive memories associated with it. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm already here. These girls are fun. I want to go out and party. Like I'll just fucking go. So we go to this place. First of all, we were leaving. They said, we want to go to a gay bar. They're kind of drunk. And they're like, where is a gay bar? I was like, (laughs) the fuck if I know. So I reached out to my favorite podcaster, T Kyle, shout out to T Kyle, who I literally just, harass and message and respond to his stuff as if we were friends the motherfucker doesn't know me from a hole in the wall but i listen to him and his co-host bradley every fucking week they run a podcast called legends only the best pop culture podcast in the industry and I just literally respond to him in his Instagram as if we're fucking friends and like send him shit like you should listen to this. And I don't know if he's like cool with it or thinks I'm a fucking weirdo creep, but whatever. So I reached out to him and I had these two gay bars that I had looked up that were nearby because I took to Google. They were dead set on going to a gay bar. So I'm like, should we go to this place or should we go to Flaming Saddles? And he was telling me to go to Flaming Saddles, which sounds like a ridiculous place, but whatever. So it's this like western country themed gay bar which i fucking hate country music but they do play some pop shit so it was fine and there's a jukebox so you can choose so we walk over to flaming saddles and i walk in and it is fucking packed it's a thursday night this place is fucking packed and as we got there Before I walked in, I had told the girls like, oh, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'll meet you in there. And I look over and I see Jabuki Young-White, who is an incredible comedian who I've seen on Comedy Central. He was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah a lot. I watch his stand up on YouTube. I just think he's so fucking funny. And I'm like, oh my God, is that him? Because like I had seen his Instagram and his haircut was different in person. So I was like, I'm pretty sure that's him, but I'm also a little drunk. But that's definitely him. I'm looking from afar, smoking a cigarette, like trying not to be creepy. And he's talking to a group of people. So I look up his fucking Instagram, like a creep, literally standing five feet away from him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's him. I got to go over and say something. So I walk up to him and I'm like... I don't mean to be weird sorry to interrupt you but I just wanted to tell you that I think you're really funny I think you're really great I watch your comedy all the time and I talk about you on my podcast but like who doesn't have a fucking podcast in New York so whatever but I think you're really great he was like thank you so much he shook my hand and I went inside not knowing that he wasn't leaving and he later came back in and I was like looking at him from afar and I was like I kind of want to go over and make friends with him but I kind of already blew my shot because I didn't think he was coming inside (laughs) I thought he was going home so i already like blew my whole shot on saying all that shit i can't walk up and be like oh hey by the way let's talk some more i should have waited and held it if i knew he was coming in but whatever it is what it is so the girls grab a drink i grab a drink Every like (laughs) 30 minutes, I would say, these bartenders get on the bar and do a choreographed dance. If you've ever seen Coyote Ugly, this bar is literally Coyote Ugly, but with a bunch of gay boys. So they're in like cowboy boots and really short denim shorts and like tank tops and flannels and every so often they take a break from bartending when certain country songs come on and they jump on top of the bar and do a fucking choreographed dance and they're like white gay boys who like think they're the shit and uh, (laughs) look i don't mean to talk shit but i just gotta be honest they had no real rhythm they had like gay white boy rhythm they were not shaking that ass so they were doing these choreographed dances like really hard and really into it like they were fucking Beyonce but they looked like Taylor Swift (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about with like her no rhythm dance moves so like it was kind of funny to watch when it was supposed to be like sexy and hard hitting choreo (laughs) But they just kind of like missed the mark because they didn't have all that much rhythm. And I kept trying to let them let me get on the bar because I was such a shit talker and I didn't mean to be. But I looked at the girls and I was like, put me up there. I could do that way fucking better. And I don't need two helpers. Like, I could just do that shit right the fuck by myself. So put me up there. And they were like, no, we can't allow people on the bar. Like, it's only us allowed on the bar. I'm like, listen, I'll sign a fucking waiver right now. I'm not going to sue you. If I slip and fall, it's my own fucking problem. But I'm not going to slip and fall because I know what I'm doing. I've danced on many bars through my 20s. Let me get up there and get this energy out of my system. And he was like, mm, sorry, sweetie. No, <laughs> they had this like ladder that you would use to climb up to the shelf and get like liquor all the way at the top. And they were using it as a prop and like gyrating on it. And I'm like, this is my life's stream. I want to work here and do a performance every evening. So I did not get on the bar, but I did have a great time. So the girls then decide they're over it. After they dragged me to this gay bar I didn't want to go to. And they're like, we're going to go to another bar. You should come. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, no. At this point, it's like... 12 o'clock. I'm like, I'm old. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I just gave so much energy screaming and yelling and crying and ranting and raving and carrying on, screaming all the willow lyrics, driving everyone else around me nuts. I was that annoying person who, like, wouldn't shut the fuck up from scream off key singing the whole show. And I didn't give a fuck. I was feeling it in my soul. And everyone else around me should have gotten on my level or shut the fuck up. I don't care. But I'm done. I'm drained. So I'm like, "Mm, no girls. I'm just going to finish my drink, my Tito's and seltzer, and I'm going to go home. But you guys go and you have fun. Like I'm old. I got to go to sleep. It takes me fucking however long to get back to Penn Station in an Uber, 20 minutes. 15 minutes. And then the train is going to be another hour and a half. And then from the train station, I have to get home because I can't fucking drive because I've been drinking. So I have to Uber at fucking God knows what time on Long Island from a train station to my house. That's going to be a nightmare and probably cost me $7 million and 30 minutes of waiting outside in the freezing cold. So like, I'm good. I'm going home. So they leave and we say our goodbyes. And now I meet These other three girls by accident. So I was waiting all night for Britney to come on. I'm in a gay bar in New York City on a Thursday night. Like, where is the Britney Spears? So something else came on. It might have been Spice Girls. And I was kind of like dancing by myself. I'm a little drunk. I'm trying to avoid like any creepers. So either I am really as fat and disgusting as I think I am right now. Or I don't know what like I just must be gross because not one person tried to fucking hit on me (laughs) Not one person at the gay bar was like trying to get on my shit It's either like something about me said no, thank you Or I just really am fucking gross because no one tried to get all up on me And I was glad I was absolutely happy because I didn't want to deal with that shit But I also felt like a little slighted like am I not cute? Well, dressed the way I am, like putting in some effort. Am I not even cute? I was kind of pissed on the low low. So I'm dancing to the Spice Girls and I like lock eyes with this girl that's like, a little bit down the bar and we're like smiling at each other while we're dancing and we like made our way over to each other we were dancing together and then out of nowhere pops her friend and she starts dancing with me and then another friend came out and she starts dancing with me and then a guy in a hat comes out and starts dancing with us and i'm like okay here's a little crew let's let's hang out so we're like hanging out vibing dancing we start talking and it turns out that the three of them are from the UK. One's from Scotland and the other two, I forget where they were from, but they all live in London and they're like three best friends and they're here in New York for a wedding and a bunch of other things. They're here for like two weeks. They're going back in just a couple of days. They're nearing the end of their trip. So they are wild drunk brits and i'm having the best fucking time so now i'm like great now i'm stuck here i order another drink so we're dancing on the dance floor and all of a sudden they were waiting for taylor swift to come on which you know i feel about that and i'm waiting for britney taylor swift comes on we were saying to each other me and this one girl she said when taylor swift comes on i can leave and i was like well when britney comes on i can leave so taylor swift came on and then baby one more time comes on and i'm like yes As soon as baby one more time ended, work bitch came on. And I was like, oh, we're going there. So I look over and there's this shit that's called poppers. Okay, let me educate you non-fags out there. (laughs) The gays buy this stuff at, I guess, like, sex shops or online. I don't know. I don't partake in this. Spoiler alert. This is not my scene. But the gays have these things called poppers. It's like this little bottle of legal drugs. It must be, like, chemicals. I don't know what it is. But you, like, literally open the bottle and put it to your nose and, like, inhale it. It's, like, fucking acid. (laughs) And I don't know what it does because I've never done it. When someone opens the bottle, you can fucking smell it from a mile away. It literally smells like goddamn chemicals. But you like huff it up your nose and it gives you like a head rush, I guess. And they use it for like sex stuff. Like they use it during sex. They just snort it up their nose and like bang each other. But this guy is like snorting it all over the dance floor. I'm not sure why, but I'm like, all right, live your life. This is the environment that I put myself in. And then I look over And one of the fucking Londoners is sticking it up her nose and passing it to her friend. And everything went through my mind. I became like a crazy dad on the dance floor. I'm like, why are you doing this? You're not even a homosexual. You're not even banging anyone. Why are you snorting this up your nose? Drugs, chemicals problems. What if you pass out in a foreign country? What the fuck are you doing that for? And she's like, oh, I love the head rush. I like the way it gets to my head. I'm not good at a British accent, but whatever. So I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Goddamn Ralph. That was the guy's name. Goddamn drunk Ralph giving all the British girls fucking poppers on the dance floor. I couldn't believe it. After work bitch ends, you drive me crazy starts followed by give me more. When I tell you it was like, Eight Britney songs in a row. I couldn't fucking believe it. I went on a marathon. It was like 35 minutes worth. At the end of it, I was like, that was fucking incredible. This is like the best night of my life. And Ralph, with his popper sticking out of his nose, goes, I dumped all my money in the jukebox and requested all the Britney songs before. And I was like, good for you, bitch. (laughs) You fucking made my night. Following the Britney marathon, another Taylor Swift song comes on and the girls are losing their mind. At this point, we've met this drag queen and their significant other i believe who was a female and we're hanging out we're dancing the drag queen starts doing like this customized really fast version of the cotton eye joe to the taylor swift song and i'm like anybody who knows me knows I'm out to dance and shake my ass. If I'm at a bar or a club, I'm not there for any other reason than to dance and dance hard. I'd rather stay home if I can't do that. Like, I'm not the person who wants to sit down at the bar and like drink and chat. I want to be on the fucking dance floor, dropping it low. So I'm watching the drag queen do this like dance they've choreographed. And I'm like, all right, let me pick this up. So I'm starting to do it with her and I'm starting to figure it out. And then by like 45 seconds into the song, I've got it. And now we're going for it and she's got great rhythm. So we're literally doing this dance and the girls that we were hanging out with and Ralph were around us like whooping, and cheering... And we were, like, really getting into it. We had, like, this turn figured out. We would, like, alternate spots. We were, like, so synchronized on the same page. And then the song ended, and the whole fucking bar erupted in, like, claps and cheers. And I looked around, and I realized that for the entire two-and-a-half, three-minute song, I had zero idea that we were the center of attention of this packed gay bar. And everyone there was watching us do this hands and cheering us on because the music was loud and I was so like invested in the moment having a good time that I didn't realize that outside of our little group of people everyone else was paying attention so that was funny and then finally my god it must have been like 30, 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm like girls this was fun but I gotta get the fuck out of here we got all our Britney and Taylor Swift out of the way like I gotta go and they're like us stay. we gotta leave so they left I left we went our separate ways I got back to Penn station and i realized that there's no train to the station i need to go to where my car is that i can't drive anyway but like the one that's by my house so i have to take the train to a town called babylon which is like 30 minutes away from where i live and then i was trying to get an uber but the ubers were like 20 minutes away and it was like fucking surge pricing a 30 minute 25 30 minute ride to my house was like 95 dollars Does this story sound familiar? Because I told you the same fucking story (laughs) with the last time I took the train and I couldn't get back to the right station and had to take a search Uber. So I like waited a half an hour in the freezing cold because like the lobby where the bathrooms are and shit, they lock it at night so people don't try to sleep in there. I couldn't fucking get in there. So I'm in the literal frigid cold. It was so cold that night. And I'm in like a light denim jacket stuck there. So I walk to Chase Bank to use my card to get into their lobby so I can fucking stay warm in the heat while I wait for an overpriced Uber. Finally get home at the ass crack of goddamn dawn and pass out. Wake up the next day. I slept late. I slept till like one o'clock. And I'm like, my hangovers are like weird. I don't really get hungover the next day. I usually feel the hangover the night of when I get home and I'll be like exhausted, start to get a headache and be like, oh, I feel like I'm getting hungover. And I'll just like pop some Advil down a bottle of water and go to sleep and call it a fucking day. And then there are, of course, occasions, (laughs) as I've talked about previously, where I get super drunk, super hungover. And the next day I'm like dead, dying. I may throw up But I have to like sleep all day and sleep it off. But that only happens like maybe once a year, maybe twice if I'm having a rough year. So the next day I woke up and I was just fucking tired. And I got up and I walked outside. I got dressed. I put my sunglasses on. I was like, oof, I need a coffee and I don't feel like making a pot. I'm going to go get some. So I walked out with my keys. And realized as I looked up from my phone when I got to the street that my car is not fucking here <laughs> because I left it at the train station when I left I didn't make it back to the correct train station and I couldn't have driven it home the fuck anyway so I'm like fuck So I go back in, I forfeit the coffee for now. I end up making the pot like I didn't want to. And I text my best friend. I'm like, I need you to drive me to the train station to get my car before work. So I get ready for work and she drives me to the train station. She drops me off. I'm thinking about all the funny things that happened last night. I haven't seen like the pictures and the videos in my phone yet. So I'm sitting in my car right before I'm about to leave for work. At the train station and i'm like looking through the stuff and laughing at like the videos that i took with the girls and the pictures and whatever and i'm like wow what a great night what an incredible experience what a way to turn my idea of gay bars around. I had the best time. I did not step foot in the bathroom. Okay. I went downstairs and I looked inside, I dipped a toe in and I looked under the stall and I saw two sets of legs. So obviously some kind of sex stuff was going on in there or some kind of drug stuff was going on in there. And I ran my ass right back up the stairs out the door to smoke a cigarette around the corner and into a quiet spot to be outside because I was not involving myself in what, Whatever was going on in that bathroom so i'm reflecting on the pictures and the videos and my exciting time and then i go to work okay it's a friday night i'm coming off of a high having a great evening a great time and i'm like all right let's go to work and make some money so i work at a restaurant, as most of you already know, at 6.30, 7 o'clock. I'm exhausted, right? like I just finished telling everybody about what an incredible night I had. I don't feel hungover, but I feel really tired because I drank a ton. I haven't been drinking on my fucking diet, so I'm like, whatever, out of it. I'm super tired. I'm super like ready to go home and whatever. I put myself into the fucking black coffee and espresso and just caffeinated myself up to deal with the busy night that I knew we were going to have the first Friday night in literally six weeks that actually had people there was actually fucking busy. I was like running around getting in my groove, excited. I'm like, this is going to be a lucrative night. I'm having fun. I'm talking to people. I'm moving around. I'm busy, which I love to be busy at work. I hate standing around. I'm going to make some fucking money tonight, right? No, no, no. No, the universe had other plans in store for our fucking restaurant. Somewhere between 7 and 7.30, the entire restaurant is full. Every seat at every table is full. Every bar seat is full. There's a row of people behind the bar seat standing at the bar. It's too deep at the bar. Getting drinks, waiting for tables. We're on a wait. It is fucking packed. The kitchen is losing their minds. The tickets are coming out at the fucking ass. Everyone is running around rolling and I'm loving every second of it. I live for that shit. Just when I'm thinking everything is going to go fucking great, the entire power in the restaurant goes out. The lights go off. All that's lit in the darkness, it's pitch black outside, is the fucking candles in the restaurant and the emergency floodlights that go on in the hallway near the kitchen. People are yelling. The women are dramatic. They're like, oh, ah! you know how fucking women get in situations like that. My manager is running around in a fucking panic, not knowing what to do. We're trying to figure out what the problem is. Nobody's moving in the restaurant. Everyone's continuing to stand there and sit there and whatever. Some people are like mid- course they've got full steaks and dinners some people are eating appetizers some people have drinks and desserts the whole fucking place is full it is out of control so we don't know what to do we're trying to like turn the breaker she's trying to call the boss the big boss and figure out what to do. In the kitchen of any restaurant, but specifically the big kitchen that we have, on the back wall of the kitchen, there are the fryers. I think there's four of them total. There is the grill, which is huge, the flat top where they make burgers and shit, and then probably like an eight or 10 range industrial stove. Above that entire row of shit where they cook are hoods so imagine like the hood above your stove but along the entire back wall they're enormous and the fans just suck up all the smoke from the food and grilling shit and cooking and whatever every station the fryers the flat top the grill where they were sauteing everything was full of like food being cooked at the time that the power went out so now when the power goes out all the fans go out so now the smoke is billowing out through the kitchen doors the kitchen's pitch black billowing out through the kitchen doors we're all running around with iphone flashlights trying to figure out what to do and keep people calm. We can't print anyone's checks and have them pay for shit so they can get the fuck out of there because the power's out so the Wi-Fi's out. The computer screens are somehow still on though. I don't know how the fuck that happened. The smoke is billowing out of the kitchen and now it sets the fucking fire alarm off. The fire alarm is piercing through people's ears. Some people are getting up and leaving but that was a very minimal amount of people. Most of the drunk fucking old assholes at the bar are making jokes and they're like, I'm not leaving. Give me my... Smoking martini. Is this place on fire? And then some people are in real serious belief. Because they're seeing smoke That the building is on fire So they're acting as if the building is on fire Which is fucking crazy Okay So they're walking out the door We don't know what to do The fire department is literally next door To the parking lot of the restaurant And somehow it still takes them Fucking 20 minutes to get there Every time some kind of shit has happened Every time the fire alarm, smoke alarm Has gone off by accident It takes them fucking 10 to 20 minutes to get there When they are literally walking Like I can see see them out the door. I can see the fire department. I don't know what the fuck takes them so long to get over there. So everyone's panicking. Nobody knows what to do. The fire department comes and right before they come, my manager is on the phone with the general manager of all our restaurants, all the whole company. And he's like, get everybody out. So now we're telling everybody that they have to leave the fucking building. Some of them are taking drinks with them. Some of them have like a cut into steak that they took a few fucking bites of $400 checks. $800 checks we're like get the fuck out everyone's gathered outside on our patio and we don't know what to do so everybody's like we're grabbing champagne grab Prosecco grab plastic cups walk outside and just start pouring it for people and have them fucking chill out and enjoy it until we figure out what to do the restaurant is in shambles everybody's out the door and all you see in the pitch black is like lit fake candles on the tables and everyone's fucking food the place is a disaster the fire department comes they're like checking the electrical box the big boss finally gets there they're all running around while we're outside pouring prosecco and people just like "All right, what's going on what's happening what do you mean i don't fucking know so as this is all happening we have door dash orders that had been placed but not completed so this one crazy lady there's two like really crazy DoorDash people who consistently pick up from our restaurant and we see them come in and we're like, oh my God, not a fucking gang. They're just like wackadoos. The one guy, his name is, let's call him Norman. That's not his real name, but we'll call him Norman. He comes to pick up food. I don't know what his deal is. He's got the DoorDash bags, like the warmers. He's probably in his 60s. And he has a light on his forehead, like a band that he wears around his head with like a mining light on the front. And he comes in with that fucking thing on to look at his phone. I don't know if he shows up to people's houses with the mining light turned on on his head, but it's very fucking strange. He looks like a serial killer. So he's not there, but this other crazy lady, we'll call her... Nancy. She shows up and she is in my face outside and she doesn't speak English very well. She's an Asian woman and she's like looking for her order. And I'm like, um, ma'am, are you slow? Like I didn't say that to her, but I wanted to be like, are you fucking stupid? Like, look around. The entire restaurant is evacuated. There's people everywhere outside where you're walking up, there's fire trucks, a fire alarm continuing to go off, and the entire restaurant through the windows you can see is pitch black. And she's asking me when her order is going to be ready. She's not understanding what I'm saying because she doesn't speak English well. So now I'm speaking in minimal words. I'm like, no food, no orders, closed. We're done. No, you're going to have to call them and tell them that it's not happening like take a picture of the building let them know that we have an emergency and the restaurant is shut down so she's looking at me like i'm speaking fucking swedish and she walks away Then another DoorDash guy comes up, and he's asking me the same fucking questions. I'm like, no, nobody's getting any food. We don't even know if the restaurant's gonna be open for the rest of the night. We have no power. We can't cook anything. What do you want to take? The fucking uncooked steak that's still cold off the stove, put it in a box, and bring it to your customers? I don't know what to tell you. As I'm explaining this to the second guy, the woman comes back up, Nancy, and she's showing me her phone and telling me, well, it says the order's ready and now I'm fucking pissed and I'm looking at her and I'm like, fire! Because I don't know how to explain anything to her because we're not literally speaking the same language. I'm pointing at the building and I'm going, fire! Burning! Fire! No food! Done! And she finally walks away leaves me the fuck alone. Are you fucking crazy, bitch? There's an entire crowd of people evacuating from this goddamn restaurant that is pitch black with fire alarms going off and fire trucks and firemen everywhere trying to figure this out what part of you thinks you're getting your fucking food to deliver to your customers cancel the order send them an explanation that there is literally an emergency evacuation going on at this restaurant that you ordered from and you're not fucking getting shit this goes on for another like 25 minutes and then finally the boss is like everybody's got to go Nobody is going to be able to pay for their checks. It is what it is. We're just going to have to comp it all. They probably lost like $15,000 that night total, I would estimate. They literally comped every check that wasn't paid for. A couple people like paid cash. The courteous way and like weren't assholes and like left a tip or whatever. But then there's a lot of people who just don't carry cash, like myself, and we couldn't run their credit card. And it was too much to figure out like who ate what and who was on what course of the stuff that was on their check. Like some people had only gotten their appetizers or placed their order and gotten nothing. So, how do we figure out what to charge them for on their check? times literally like a hundred and something people that were in the restaurant. There's just no way to figure that out and and make it make sense. So they just decided to take the loss. So we had to go outside and tell everyone, hey, like you don't have to pay for your check, but you got to get the fuck out of here because we're not reopening. Like we're done for the evening. The boss also had the idea that we would send them to our other restaurant which is like 10 minutes away and primarily barbecue food. And if they went there and said that they came from our other location where the fucking disaster was happening they would get 50% off of their entire bill, try to make some money back out of what we lost. So my boss sends me and my one other coworker over to the other restaurant to help them because we told close to 100 people that they could go there and get 50% off. So now we don't know, are 10 people going to show up out of that crowd or are 75 people going to show up out of that crowd? And now our other restaurant is dealing with a Friday night... Crowd plus 75 people that they wouldn't have had normally, and they're all losing their faces. So he sends us over, and I call my coworker. We're following each other to the other restaurant. I'm driving in front of him and I call him and I'm like, do you know what I just thought of? And he's like, what? I'm like, I didn't even think about until we literally were halfway here that we got the best fucking end of the deal because everyone else who was at work had to stay there. I feel so bad, but I'm so glad I got out of it. They had to stay there and clean up the entire restaurant. They couldn't turn the power back on. There was a problem with the breaker. So they had to clean up the tables full of food and shit and bullshit every table in the restaurant in the pitch black (laughs) and then the poor people in the kitchen had to clean up the kitchen in the, pitch black. And I was like, all we have to do is go over to our sister restaurant and schmooze with some people and help them bring out some food and clean up some tables and chill out. I literally walked around and like schmoozed with people and got them some drinks and talked to the whole staff that I didn't know over there and had a great fucking time for like two, two and a half hours. And got some free food that they gave us. They comped us like a $100 worth of food for fucking doing them a favor. And literally, that was it. I went home while the rest of my poor co-workers were cleaning up a miserable, nasty, disgusting restaurant full of food and plates in the bitch black. I felt so bad, but also was so glad that I got out of it. So in conclusion, I could not fucking believe that after that night of fun and being out and having a great time. I just wanted to go to work and get the fuck through it and go home and sleep and recover. And that fucking disaster started on the busiest night we've had literally since September in the middle of the rush any other day that could have happened one of the past six friday nights we've had that were dead as shit it could have been any day of the week on like a tuesday at 3 p.m before we open this could have happened anything but of course by chance literal chance it had nothing to do with the power usage we weren't doing any more of anything than we we, we normally would. It was literally just by chance that it happened at seven ish o'clock during the biggest rush we've had in six weeks, full of people, full of opportunity, full of monetary gain. And we just lost it the fuck all as I'm tired hungover. (laughs) I have a tired hangover, just trying to get through the day, make some fucking money and go home. Nothing can ever just Fucking go easy, can it? That's all I've got for you bitches this week. As usual, if you are not following me on Instagram, what the fuck are you doing? Follow me at Mickey Not the Mouse. Follow us Pulse Pounding at Pulse Pounding on Instagram. Whatever platform you are listening on, make sure you're leaving a five-star review. And if you are able to leave a comment with that review, it better be fucking great, okay? Because why would you listen to this entire hour of my bullshit? And if you have enjoyed it and made it this far, why wouldn't you leave a goddamn review? It's the courteous thing to do. So fucking do it if you're not a lazy bitch. Because if you don't, I'm just going to assume that that's what you are, a lazy bitch. <laughs> All right. I will see you motherfuckers next Wednesday. Goodbye.